0: Oh, oh, shine upon the darkness, so oh, word of truth, shine bright. Abide with me forever, your law is
1: my delight. Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. So this is the third and last episode with Caleb on Christian Anarchy. I hope you've enjoyed the first two episodes. This time you're going to get to hear me give him a little bit more pushback from my theonomic position than you did in the first two episodes. I'm Hope that's making you happy if some of you were like getting really upset listening to the first couple that I wasn't really giving him a whole lot of pushback. But I wanted to hear his position, let him say what he has to say, and then now I'll give him a little bit more pushback from my view. And so with all that, before we jump in, I just want to say if you like the podcast, please subscribe to it, turn on auto-download. That way you won't miss an episode and please tell your friends about the podcast and follow Theana Money on social media and so let's jump in. Hey so we are back for part three with Caleb Colt. Uh, This time we're gonna do what we were planning on doing last time and uh talking about some of the disagreements. I'm gonna give him a little bit of pushback. We're kind of trying to do all of this in the last episode and we were at 40 minutes after only going through like the first half of stuff so now we're doing a part three. yeah let's just uh jump into it uh caleb I had a little bit of pushback with judges so you talked a little bit about the book of judges and your explanation now two episodes can um can you give me a little bit more explanation of what you think with christian anarchy and judges because i think i have a bit of pushback there
0: yeah so uh, i'm not gonna say like judges was like obviously the best time in israel's history right it was a time of lawlessness and i don't necessarily think that's a terrible thing but um I do what, basically my whole point of bringing even judges into the argument was to say that Israel, God's chosen people, you know, um, they lived many years without a king or some sort of state governed authority. It's basically people God chose to rule for just short mere periods of time that so it's basically if when they were ruling, it virtually was like a theocracy in my opinion because they still had the Old Testament law and stuff but I, I just think it's basically just a time in israel where it shows that maybe not having a ruler would still work what was your i guess dissenting opinion on that
1: okay yeah i think i was going to say yeah and judges like things were still going you know pretty horrible that's kind of the point of book of judges like this mm-hmm. downward spiral And so I guess there's kind of some things we could say maybe on my side as a theonomist and your side as well is like they didn't have that government as a king, but they still had a form of government in place in the book of Judges. And now where someone can maybe use against my side is I think the form of government they had in place in Judges is the ideal form of government because my ideal form of government is more or less someone that just executes wrath on the wrongdoer, like Romans 13, someone that carries out punishment on those that violate laws and that's more or less like the only thing the government does maybe some form of an army but probably more a volunteer army so the government doesn't even really do much with that um so someone could probably come back at me and say with judges well there's your ideal theonomous nation and look how bad it is but the response to that would be um they were rejecting those laws so if um judges is to a certain degree like pretty close to the christian anarchy view as far as their government is concerned how would you make sure that a society today that actually followed out christian anarchy didn't devolve into like cutting up concubines and sending a piece of her to every state or something like that
0: well as i said like just because you have anarchy doesn't mean there's no rule of law it doesn't mean there's um There's no, like, it doesn't mean you can just do whatever you want. It doesn't mean murder is fine. It doesn't mean uh, trafficking humans is a good thing, right? That all breaks the NAP, which is the non aggression principle, once again. And those things are all, you know, deemable offenses and things that will not work in a society. I just, just a little counterpoint, I just think. We can we can harp on judges and say that this time necessarily there wasn't good things that happen I would agree with you hundred uh, percent but also things didn't get much better with a king with a top-down structure because most of the Old Testament is them being basically sold to slavery because they disobeyed God like for thousands of years so I, I don't think that's a better solution uh, but uh, I do I do. just think that during that time when there, there was obviously a lot of bad things, I just want to say, like, that's the human condition, right? Where no, no form of government or lack of government is going to stop uh, human inhibitions and evilness in the world. Uh, I just don't believe having another top-down structure that's run by evil people and is going to be able to have uh, a monopoly on violence is the answer either. All you're doing is just creating more problems. Another entity that's going to oppress you and do bad things to you. Uh, That's just, yeah.
1: Okay. um, And here's one. I don't know how much this is critiquing the position as a whole or just something you had said. I think when we were recording the first episode, you had talked about in his temptation by the devil and the gospels Mm -hmm. that Jesus got this temptation from the devil that he would be the ruler of the world um, re- remind me a bit of what you had said with there, with the temptation. So,
0: so I just said, you know, this final temptation, right? He brings him up to the high point, and he shows him the earth, basically, and all the earthly kingdoms, and he says, this could all be yours. And my, my only point was, is that like, so it's Satan's to give, right? That's what he was saying. I understand that God is always over Satan, but he was also saying was sent down to this earth with his demons and stuff, and they basically have the say down here in a, in a sense, like they rule this earth because we're evil creatures and in need of a savior. And so by him offering these earthly kingdoms up to Jesus is showing that that's his to give and that these earthly kingdoms are not, you know, necessarily, uh, you know, well, I'm trying to say is that they're evil, you know, like these aren't necessarily Christian organizations. These aren't uh, biblical God centered places. You know, if we look at a lot of the kingdoms back then, even today, like, look at a lot of countries. Would, would you necessarily, and I know God's handiwork is and everything. It talks about that God builds up countries and can tear them down whenever he wants. That's true. But do you, do you think, like, North Korea or China's this great bastion of, does it reflect more Jesus or does it reflect more Satan and his demons and sin?
1: Yeah, I, I think they definitely reflect more sin. But I think we're seeing, um, a general trend since the cross of the world becoming more Christian. I'll, I'll come back then that in a second, Go, uh, going back to yeah. something else for a second. I think the temptation there from Satan was, what it wasn't that it wasn't about Jesus getting the kingdom, but it was actually about getting the kingdom three years sooner. I think that we could say before the cross, the world was Satan's and now afterwards, that Satan has been to a certain extent bound. Like he's mm-hmm. bound as yes. in he's still he's active, but he's limited in what he can do versus what he could do before. So I think Satan's temptation there was to give Jesus the kingdoms of the world without going through the cross, without having to go through the cross to get it. It was a uh, the temptation was the crown without the cross. That by dying on the cross, taking, you know, the gospel, taking our sin yes. on him, giving us his righteousness, rising from the dead three days later, that Jesus now, like Psalm 2, has the nations as his inheritance and as his possession. And so Jesus is king now. And that was Satan's temptation was basically saying, oh, you don't have to go through the crucifixion to get the kingdoms of the world. I'll give it to you right now if you just bow down to me. And so it was basically a temptation of Jesus to not go through the suffering to get to the reward. And so I would say we are seeing over the course of thousands of years of history, the world. Becoming more Christianized, there are more people that proclaim Christ today than there were people alive when the apostles were still alive two thousand years ago, and that there are ups and downs. Like North Korea right now is pretty horrible, but a century ago, Korea was basically a Christian nation. Like Kim Jong Un's like great great grandfather or something like that was actually a Presbyterian pastor, and so I think there are ups and downs in that as history progresses, we, this is getting one to what we briefly talked about last. I'm like, we will see the percentage of the world who are Christians going up and down with a general trajectory of going upward throughout thousands of years of church history. And people in the future might look back at us and think of us as the early church.
0: Yeah, no, no, I I don't, I don't disagree with that, that, um, that viewpoint on the the final temptation. Like I, I agree with that. I'm just saying, um, as a, like a, I guess even just as a secondary, you know, thing of it, him, him going there and offering that up is him just showing like that. Cause at the end of the day, right, man, anything man-made, right, is going to be inherently flawed and filled with evil and sin. And so therefore these earthly kingdoms, as you say, I, I would agree with you. We, more people do proclaim Christ today. So therefore we are in a, I guess, a better situation. I just believe that it was just showing that, like, all these things, the earth, basically, because it is man-made, and therefore sinful, would fall more under Satan and sin versus not under God's perfect will for his people. That's what I, I would say. But I, I, Just to butt heads, I guess, a little bit, I, I don't know if necessarily today... We are that much worse off or better off in the sense of uh, closer to God. I, I don't know if I necessarily want to believe that because I just think if you look at all of history, it's honestly been really bad. And I, I do like that viewpoint better than, this, than the viewpoint of like nowadays where like everyone – I know God calls that – you know, we all have this yearning for his coming back and that he could come back at any point. I'm not disregarding that in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying, like, especially old people, I've noticed they like to say, like, oh, you see how bad, you see all these human traffickers, like, you see how evil and corrupt the world is today. Like, that just shows God's coming back really quick. And I'm just like, I mean, did, did you read? scripture did you have you looked at any history like, like like things were really really bad like under especially like just even looking at Nero like you're gonna sit there and tell me that we're in a worse place now than they were under the early church like I, I just don't like that viewpoint I think sin is pretty consistent throughout mankind and it does reign as long as we're on this earth you know And God's not in control in the millennium and all that stuff. Like, I think it's going to be full of sin and evil. And man-made structures are just that because it's made by man.
1: I mean, Nero was pretty bad. I think the 666 in Revelation is referring to him. And I'm pretty sure at one point he was like, biting Christians genitals off like you know Biden might be touching little girl's chest but at least he's not biting people's genitals off
0: (laughs) exactly and I I do I understand it's like a comfort thing too for old. I just I've noticed it especially with older Christians that's like I think they honestly like they realize they're closer to death and of course no one no one necessarily wants to die so like the belief that Jesus could come back before they die is more comforting so i think a lot of older christians fall under that belief and i i understand it i just don't think like as you said like if we look at history right points for christians have been a lot and for mankind in general have been a lot worse off a lot
1: (laughs) yeah what we're going through right now is nowhere near the 1340s when like a third to half of europe died
0: yeah, not not even not even close. Like I, that's the thing. Like you can leave them just like a hundred years ago. Like we, we want to act like we, it was such a good time, right? But a hundred years ago, like there was brothels all across the coast, especially the east coast, full of little boys who would just sell themselves because they were Irish or something and couldn't actually find work in their family, so they had to pay the bills somehow. And if you don't see that as complete evil, and I am saying like that stuff doesn't exist today, but at least in America like that stuff is like at least looked down upon and does not happen nearly as often as it used to so i mean i do think we are getting better in a sense but uh I, at the end of the day right we're all evil sinful creatures in need of a savior so i i don't think time necessarily dictates that all that much
1: yeah and now i think i was probably steering us a little bit away from the primary discussion at hand so i want to try to yeah. return to that a little bit. Um, so you said you think um, the early church like the early chapters of Acts and then a little mm-hmm. bit past Acts and stuff was kind of modeling the Christian anarchist view. I want to try to push back at that a little bit because they now like with each other, yeah, taking care of each other's burden, stuff like that. I, I do think there is a little bit more to consider with Acts like 2 and 4 and 5 because when they're selling their land and giving it to the needs of the saints, they also know Mm -hmm. that 30 or 40 years from then, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed because Jesus prophesied that it was. They're basically Mm -hmm. like selling land they know is going to... So I think that was a very special circumstance. But regardless of that, I think though that... I don't know if they really were making this good picture of the Christian anarchist viewpoint because they were still under Judea as a province and then the Roman Empire as a nation and still submitting to that government.
0: Yeah, I mean the the thing is, is once again one of the core tenets of anarchy is um, pacifism. I, I I think when when they were doing that, you know, a lot of people obviously looked to the scripture, and that's how they try to justify that Jesus was a socialist and how that we should all be socialists. But uh, as I said when I first brought it up, you know, it was all voluntary. No one in the church. Force at least in scripture it doesn't say anywhere where it was forced that these people had to do this that they had to sell their land, as you said, like there probably was extenuating circumstances right? it's not going to be their land anyways but um, in the future but I I, I think that, that more and more trying to hit at is their willingness to give and their willingness to help out each other it's I, I think that we've really fallen away from that in in the church today, uh, we have a hard time giving ten percent of our income, mm-hmm. which is it was, it was pretty clear. I mean, and if we were able to do that, I did the math out, and it's, it comes out to if every if everyone who claims to be a Christian in the United States gave the minimum required of ten percent, it would equal like seven trillion dollars. You know what the church could do with seven trillion dollars a year, just in the United States, to help people is crazy like just think about that seven trillion dollars to help people i i truly believe we could solve a lot of the problems right there and but as you said to get back to the point um they still fell under this roman rule and stuff and uh that that's true and i I don't disregard that and as you saw there was there there wasn't this uprising that christians didn't get together and try to overthrow the roman government and i don't think i just don't i if you look at all of history. I don't think there are revolutions, right, that are fought and overturned things. But they get to the point of revolution because they realize things are wrong and they look at how their life is not going the way that it's supposed to go. And they get to this point. Enough people get to the point where it's insurmountable that they overthrow the government. And I, once again, I'm not necessarily for uh, us going to the Capitol and marching on the Capitol and then over killing all the politicians or imprisoning all the politicians to get this answer. I think this solution is going to be more fought along the lines of like this podcast, like this people getting the idea and we slowly, it's a Like I said, it's going to be a slow process to get there where we realize we're not going down the right path. We need to bring all this state held stuff back to the people. It needs to be all given back to the individual I I was more, like I was saying, I was more talking about the early church and the way they acted and how they did these things is what I would see as an ideal society.
1: Okay. And to your point with the tithe and helping people out, uh, one, the government started doing things like welfare because Christians weren't helping out the poor, like the Bible tells us to voluntarily. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, this is something I learned from Matt Belleville that I had on the podcast uh, about. 5 or 6 months ago with an episode on taxes and Christian welfare that you know the Old Testament poor tithe was every 3 years not every year but every 3 years you had a special extra 10% of your income that you gave to help the poor and now that wasn't 100% just giving handouts that could be like doing something else like maybe not just giving them money to buy food but it could be like giving them money to start a business and things like that so it's a little bit broader than we think of as charity but Israel got to the point in between the close of Malachi and the start of Matthew that they had extra money at the end of that every third year poor tithe because they had so few people needing it anymore that they basically had excess money. I think that's the only time in Israel's history that ever happened where they were following it that well. I think during the parts of Israel's history actually recorded in the Old Testament, they were never that faithful to the poor tithe except that one time in like 200 B.C. or something like that, I think it was during the Maccabean period, they actually got rid of the poor in Israel by definition of having more money for the poor tithe than they had poor people needing it.
0: Yeah, I I just, I I think you'll agree with me on this. It's just, if there's a single mother, you know, who's struggling to pay her bills and needs a new water heater, the church is going to be well way more prepared to help her than what it's going to cost for it to go to the government, trickle down all the way to that person to get that water heater to help pay your bills. Like it's just a very inefficient way of helping people out. And as, as you said, like just this, all this money could be used instead of paying people to oversee things, it could go directly to the problems. And, And once again, like, If you think about it, most people are paying, I think, upwards of 30% of their income, if not more, in taxes. Imagine now if you had 30% of your income back to you. Don't you think you'd be a lot more willing to help, a lot more giving? I don't know. that. I can't necessarily say that's going to be a 100% fact, but I can dare say a lot more people would be willing to spend money Mm -hmm. and give to charity and give to the church if they're able to keep 30% because that's, that's the crazy thing to me is like, if look at this from a Christian perspective, we struggle to give 10% to the church yet we give 30 to 40% to the state. So who, who really is, you know, our, who's our master at the end of the day, right? We're, we're, we're giving four times the amount that we're willing to give to the church. If that is, you're lucky if a Christian gives 10% in the church uh, nowadays it's just i just think it's a really a hard issue and we can easily see that that's not how things are supposed to go as a christian.
1: Yeah, i remember um, one of our textbooks when we were in college, i think it was one for one of our accounting textbooks with mrs creech. It said that april 24th is the day that if you had to pay 100% of your income to the government in taxes until you paid it all off for the year and then you got to take 100% of it home for the rest of the year. April twenty fourth would be the day when you finally paid off the government and you got to take your income home for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, if if that doesn't right there turn you into an anarchist, I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just just so much money is wasted and where it could actually be used to actually help people and like directly change their lives with no red tape really. Like it's insane to me how many people we could bring out of poverty and how many like people we could just help out and be a blessing in their lives is now not there because we're busy paying for wars we don't want that we're not involved in helping fund other countries welfare systems paying for abortions overseas like i just it's disgusting it's gross and i you know it just at a certain point has to get too far off topic because i'm trying to stay on i really have this third episode. so uh, just the fact that, like, a lot of Christians will tell you, they'll tell you straight to their face, yeah, I'm willing to follow the government as long as they don't go against biblical ideas, right? That's the line you hear a lot. But, like, what is that line for you? Is if you're truly against abortion, taxpayer dollars, your your dollars are going to fund abortions right now. Like, is, is that enough?
1: Even with and, the Hyde Amendment, tax dollars are still it, doing that, let alone if they repeal it next year.
0: Yeah, and even if they do that, who says that stops us from paying overseas? Because we're funding overseas abortions in a lot of places. So it's like, what's the line? I guess is what I'm saying. Like, what's the line for you as a Christian? Because y- you want to sit here and say that you're you're against the government if it goes against biblical ideas, but I think I think it does. For me, that's what I'm saying. It does. Like at this point, like I think what the U.S. government does with my taxpayer dollars, even though they might not directly sit there and they're not necessarily affecting my life in the sense that they're not coming at me and saying I need like perform abortions. My taxpayer dollars are going inadvertently to that. My taxpayer dollars are inadvertently going to the slaughter, the genocide of the Yemen in Yemen. So it's like I think that's that's in my opinion unbiblical, right? Like that that's good enough for me to say no, I don't want to be a part of that. That's my little tangent. I don't like to too far off.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, kind of related to that and taxes with your position, do you think that there then shouldn't be any tax rate whatsoever?
0: No, no taxes. I'm not. I'm not. Once again, I I believe like we would have to get together to afford bigger projects such as roads. But once again, very clear, very clear. So this is always the, the, you know, the, the anti-libertarian roads, the roads, um, like that stuff is, if if you think about it, how much red tape is involved with building a highway, how much taxpayer dollars go to hiring lawyers and legal fees. Right. And then, well, they're not really competing against anyone. Once they get the bid, they got the bid. But if they do a crappy job, they do a crappy job. It's just not a free market system whatsoever. And if you're honestly going to sit there and tell me that Amazon, if they need to get packages out, they're not going to build roads build, make like to get those packages out, I think it's so silly. I think it's absolutely insane. And they do cheaper. And how is that not a better solution? I don't know.
1: So Domino's several years ago had a promotion where they were patching potholes and putting the Domino's logo on the pothole patch.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, when, when it's, it's crazy to me, that, like that people don't see this, like if you want to get something done, you're going to find a way to get it done the cheapest way possible, right? Because it's coming out of your own dime versus a top down government structure that does these social things or whatever for the good of the people. And also the thing is, is th- think about this, your taxpayer taxpayer dollars, somewhat, I know it's a lot of state and local taxes, so I'm, I, I do concede that point, but some of your taxpayer dollars goes to infrastructure in California, right? What if you never go to California, never use that road, never use that building, never use that bridge, right? Tell me how that's justified for my taxpayer dollars. Like it's not affecting me yet. I'm being have to pay for this. That's just crazy to me.
1: Yeah. So even in this episode where I'm giving you pushback, I think to a certain degree, I'm not giving you a whole lot. Cause I do think we agree quite a bit, but I, with my theonomist view, I would say there's still like a purpose when Jesus says render to Caesar, what is Caesar to God, what is God's. Um, I don't think the Bible gives you like a precise, this is the tax that a government should charge. I think there is some, yeah. I think, Based on some biblical precepts that aren't commands, but I would see as general guidelines, I think 4% would be a pretty good amount. And the thing with a 4% tax rate is that would pretty much just be enough for the government to have some court systems and uh, some small amounts of uh, like a legislative branch. And the legislative branch's main job would be interpreting the Old Testament law and applying it to the different things that come up today. And then the court system that would more or less just be punishing criminals who violate old aspects of Old Testament law or how we have applied Old Testament law to things today. So that would pretty much be all they could do with 4%. They wouldn't be able to fix the road. So I would see probably similar to you as some kind of community effort with the roads. Like maybe uh, guys that does a company where he could make roads basically says like, hey, I think we need a road system through here and just try to like crowdfund. I mean, we can do more of that stuff today than we could in the past with crowdfunding websites. If he was just crowdfunding money from local people to build a road and then local people try to upkeep it. One thing I've thought about is I'll see like the medians in the roads around where I live and the government in the summer does a horrible job of keeping the grass mowed on them. Sometimes that grass is like a foot tall, which is kind of ironic because if I let my (laughs) front yard get like that, they'd probably give me a ticket. And well, I, I, yeah, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, if we were more of a community effort for how we take care of the roads, I wouldn't really have much of an issue of throwing my lawnmower and my weed eater and in, in my car and taking care of that myself, but I'm not going to because I'm paying taxes for the government that's supposed to take care of these things. If I had those taxes lowered and was just supposed to take care of it as a community, I would have no issue taking my lawnmower and my weed eater out and making sure that the edges of the road looks good. Um, I don't have a zero turn. Those are really expensive and I don't need one. But if someone else had one and I knew how to use it, I would be okay using a zero turn to keep wider sections of grass around the common areas of the area looking good.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jeremy, you're so close. You're so close.
1: (laughs) But I'm still a theonomist. So I think you're still going to becoming a theonomist.
0: No, I, I, I don't see a way for me to ever go back because... Okay, so even at 4%, right, and which I would be way more happier, right? Every step in the right direction, I'm more happy with. I think even at 4%, though, to get that 4 any law, if you think about this, any any law, any tax, right? At the end of the day, the way they collect it is through force, right? If you don't pay your taxes, they're going to come to your house, and they're going to drag you out of your house eventually to go to prison or something. So at the end of the day, you're going to be held at gunpoint for not paying that tax. But what if you don't believe in paying that tax? Let's say let's say that 4%, right, which is a lot better than what we pay now. That 4% you don't agree with and you don't voluntarily want to be a part of that. It still ends with a gun being pointed at you and you dragged out of your house. And that, to me, is not voluntary, and therefore I think it is wrong. Once again, it still gives too much power to people. It gives them the monopoly on violence. And I just, I, I'm very weir- weary on issues where anything you're forced to do and the only solution is them dragging you out of the house at gunpoint. You know, I, I just, I don't like that. I don't think that's right. And if your own personal convictions... You don't want to partake in that, then don't partake in that, right? Maybe, yeah, you, you know, if you don't want to pay, your group of people get together and they say we want to build this road, and you say, no, I'm not paying that. Well, it's in their right for you not to be able to use that, then, right? There's consequences to every action, good and bad, and that would be the consequence in this situation. I, I just think at that point you have to decide what is more valuable to you—that four percent taxes. Or people losing their freedoms, and see that that's where that's what I'm saying. I it's, it's I don't know if I can ever go back to that because I just, at the end of the day, right? It's better, right? Smaller government, they're less intrusive, right? It's a lot easier to get along with. But at the end of the day, they're still holding you at gunpoint. They're still dragging you off to prison.
1: I, I think that's where we have a little bit of a different foundation. So I'm trying not to just look at what works best. I'm trying to look at what God set up for Israel in the Old Testament and what aspects of that applied to not just Israel and that place in time, but to every nation. And my definition of what applies to every nation, not just Israel, that place in time is probably a little bit wider than most other people today's. But I think that God in the old Testament for Israel in ways that are applicable to every nation, not just them has certain things. Like if you uh, kill someone, if you murder someone, not kill, kill is like self-defense. If you murder Mm -hmm. someone, then the just penalty is that you should sacrifice your life. If you rape someone, then you should be executed. If you Mm -hmm. steal something from someone, then you have to pay it back with interest. And whether you got caught or whether you came clean about what you did makes a difference in how much interest you have to pay. And so I think there is that place for a government structure, not like the kings after uh, David and Solomon and before them, Saul and, and everyone after that, but actually more like the very limited government structure almost more like a religious government structure they had during the judges period not like they did in judges cuz they kind of re- went off into all kinds of paganism and stuff but what they were supposed to do during the judges period would be the ideal where um there was more religious taxes and occasionally a head tax my 4% more comes from the head tax but the head tax was every year so that's why I'm using it more as a guideline than a rule in stone and that tax basically is just to carry out those laws of uh, court systems and punishment on criminals and everything else is more kept underneath the family and the local church level.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I listen, once again, like murder and all that stuff that would still be breaking the, these principles and stuff and they, there'd be punishments for them in my system. Um, I just, I, once again, though, I, I, I think it's, it's hard to sit there though with your uh, your belief system though because if you look, everything that you just basically quoted is like Levitical, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. all the stuff that God Himself set up, and that would be that was all meant for a country or whatever that was. It was a theocracy, right? And, and it said like if God wants to do a theocracy, right, I think that's the best form of government. I don't think you can beat that, right? There's no better ruler than God himself. But obviously, we don't have that anymore, and that's not going to happen until way in the future, or it's not going to happen until end times, at least. So I, I, I think those things are good, and I think those things work, but they work because the leader is God. I don't think if man is in charge, if man has that power, it's gonna run like that. And therefore that's why I think we can differentiate from the Levitical law in some respects, right? I still believe obviously like like I said, the Ten Commandments, do not murder, like all that stuff, do not steal, like these are all very tenets of society that have to be upheld. These cannot be just glossed over because then we'd be a truly ruleless society. And things would break down. I'm not advocating for a ruleless society. I'm just advocating for a society where there's not some man in sunglasses and a coat with a three letter word on his on his jacket comes into your house and can do whatever he wants in the name of the state. You know that that's what I'm advocating for, or against.
1: Yeah, and I I see what you're saying there. And there's another point I was going to say with it. Yeah, so in uh, judges, I think mm-hmm. even then they really weren't a true theocracy. I mean, because, I mean, in a sense, they kind of were, but also it was whichever judge at the time, plus the Levitical priestly system that was kind of ruling it. So I don't know. I think, in some sense, that's kind of what I think would be. Ideal deal with that um, now, not exactly like they were in Judges and definitely with actually obeying God, not throwing him off and going and worshiping whatever false God like they did yeah. in Judges, like actually following Deuteronomy, like what I said with the episode Deuteronomy and Judges. But another thing, I think both of our systems to not go to more or less hell in a handbasket presuppose a primarily Christian nation, which is why I think you should come to my eschatological view that we discussed a bit last episode.
0: No, that's very interesting. I mean, I, like I said, I'm I'm always trying to um, research my eschatology, like research it more and more because it's to me, like man, like actually, right now, personally, I'm going, I'm on Revelations, reading through it, and it's just it's it's a it's a hard book to get through, like in the sense of like it's very poetically written, you know, in a sense, and um, I, I'm always looking for. I'm constantly looking at resources and stuff and seeing what better men than me have said about it and, uh, constantly trying to better my view because I feel like that is for sure. One of the weakest points of my faith is my eschatology. And I think a lot of people feel that way, but it, once again, it's in the Bible. So therefore it's in very, very important mm. to a Christian. So I, I, like I said, I'm always trying to, you know, dig in deeper and try to find, everything I possibly can about it
1: you know yeah and I know we both grew up dispensational we both freshman year in high school had that timeline assignment with Mr. Cook and maybe I'll try to convince you to stop being dispensational like I stopped being dispensational four or five (laughs) years ago
0: hey man like once once again like I think it's it's uh I think I could be easily swayed honestly because I'm not necessarily happy with dispensationalism as is right now like I, I don't it's just, I feel like it's man just guessing at a certain point. And, like, I don't think it's, it's necessarily a lot of it is hard-lined in Scripture. And the conclusions they come to, I'm just kind of like, okay, like, I, I see your viewpoint, but, like, we're kind of, like, going through leaps and bounds to, to like, this, this perfect timeline you have set out, you know. But,
1: yeah, I don't know. And I think for either one of us to see what we would consider the ideal society come to would necessitate a majority Christian culture. I think my view with theonomy is basically impossible unless the majority of the nation is Christian. And I think with your view if someone tried to, and I mean, we both believe that mankind is depraved by nature outside of the gospel. I think if mm-hmm. your view is tried to put into place on a society where most of the people weren't Christians, it probably would turn into some kind of like, crazy, horrible place. Like It needs most of the people being Christians, or maybe someone like Benjamin Franklin that wasn't a Christian, but operated by a lot of the values of Christianity, the Judeo-Christian ethic, for it to actually work. So we're kind of both in the same boat with our similar, but in some areas, different views on culture and government, both needing a majority Christian nation to be ideal.
0: Yeah, no, no. I, I think 100%. I just... The, that's actually one of the reasons, though, I've gone more towards this route of my my political belief system is because of that. And I think because of the fact that I, I see right now the world is, for the most part, not Christian, uh, I think this would work better because I, you're right. If people don't have a moral founding, right, it's going to be hard. But I think if we're in smaller groups of people and there's less top-down say then therefore other people's opinions and morality won't play as big of a part in your life and affect you as much. That's that's more what I'm saying. I'm saying you know how to live your life the the best because of scripture and because of all these things we're already given a handbook on how to live life. Now people don't have that, right? And therefore they're gonna be more lost. But at least for you, you have this fundamental book that's able to tell you what's wrong and what's right in this innate morality and therefore you're going to be able to live your life better than most and with that said if you can do that then why shouldn't you why, why should I rely on another entity to do that if like you said most people are evil and corrupt which we both agree upon then I don't want them dictating my life I want scripture dictating my life I want to do what scripture says to the
1: best of my abilities yeah and i think in some ways your view could allow for theonomy because you said it would be like groups of smaller groups coming together and deciding their own laws rules for themselves i think even in, within your position of a city state or a yep. small state or whatever wanted to say we're going to be a theonomous nation that would be acceptable within your view right
0: hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. You're, you're so close. You're so close here, right? <laughs> and like <I'm> are are <laughs> close to me. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is like your your view. Your views could work, right? I just they they work. They could easily work in a small city state or stuff like that. And I believe like that's the glory of anarchism, right? That that you can do. You can get together with like minded people, even if the other ninety percent don't agree with you. It doesn't matter. You can get together with your community and live the ways that you guys see fit all voluntarily under a system that you see is best and that's all I'm that's all I'm preaching about man here today I'm just I'm here to say that all of your ideas of, of these things are very possible and can work in my system I just think like wh- how are you like you said it's gonna be hard to get to your point if not majority Christian mm-hmm. and my belief is, We don't live in a time, and time itself has not proven that majority of people will be freedom fighters, will believe in all these liberties. So why can't you get together with your group of people that do believe the same, and you live out your utopia on Earth?
1: Well, right now, because the government would come wake up us.
0: Hey, 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 once again, they have the monopoly on violence, and that's what I'm saying it's so silly to me to agree upon like everyone is so scared like if we got rid of the fda and did all these things like what happened our meat would be poisoned man. if the fbi wasn't there there would be terrorists but if we look the fbi has now been involved especially recently in a ton of terrorist events Mm. uh the atf did waco um ruby ridge uh the fda every year there's tons of e-coli outbreaks all across the country like it, these these government entities that we like to think keep us safe and secure are just as bad. Be- like, they're not, yeah, they may stop things, but why can't we do that ourselves? Why can't, why can't a private organization do just as well as them? And my thing is, they can, and they can do it better. And I think we agree upon that,
1: too. Yeah. Why can't, instead of the FDA, the reason a company doesn't want to have an outbreak of something like E. coli is because they know it'll bankrupt them if they do. Why do we need to spend millions of dollars each year on an organization? doing what the free market could do as well
0: yeah i mean i for personal example right here where i'm at they told us don't drink the tap water because it has e-coli in it and i'm just sitting here i'm like that's great i just pay all these taxes for my uh, water bills and stuff so that i can drink safe water and yeah i can't even do that but i'm still paying for it mm-hmm. right I, I i'm still i'm still paying for my water so it's just like this this system doesn't work a top-down government system is not best it's just so much waste and so much lost money that can be spent to actually solve things and make the world a better place
1: well we're going at almost 45 minutes here so i think that was a pretty good time to end it and even the episode where we were disagreeing we still spent like half the time green, which is why I'm saying you just need to like break that last couple of ties and come to be a theonomy.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. See, that's what I'm saying. You're, you're there, Jeremy. You're there. I, th- I think most people are there. It's just, uh, you know, you just got to take the leap of faith, you know, just government bad. That, that's that's my only thing I would say, like, to cl- close us out. I mean, you don't close us out, but, you know, like, uh, just remember a couple things, right? If you're going to vote, vote for the most libertarian-minded person and uh it only takes a small group of people t- to create change and uh honestly just just pray for things right this that, i mean honestly like a lot of things can be changed through prayer and a lot of things can only be changed through god so uh that, that that's Amen. it for me
1: man yeah this might make you happy in 2020 i voted for rainwater the libertarian candidate here in indiana and he got 13 percent of the vote hey
0: that, that's actually amazing that's that's a Good sign. I don't like this duopoly we have
1: right now. Mm. I, I
0: think that's terrible.
1: He wanted to <laughs> abolish state income tax in Indiana, and I would have loved to have had him win in 2020. Yeah,
0: just like I said, I don't believe in voting, but if you're gonna vote, man, vote, vote for vote for the guy or the girl who's gonna bring you the most freedom.
1: All right. Well, yeah. Let's go ahead and close. I think that was good. All right. All right, that was the last interview with Caleb on this topic. Hopefully, I'll bring him on the podcast again to talk about something different in the future. Let me know if you enjoyed that. And as I'm recording this, I'll try to not smack my ring on the desk and probably make a loud noise like I did recording the intro because I'm sure you all heard that in the mic. That's what that smacking noise was. Uh, So, with all that being said, thank you for listening to this series. I hope you all enjoyed it, learned something from it, and If I want to say something positive about this Christian anarchy view, I think it's better than most Christian political views we have today. I think I'd rather, and of course I'd rather someone be a theonomic, but if someone was going to not be theonomic, I'd rather them at least hold to this Christian anarchy view than any of the others. And like Caleb and I were kind of joking around with, they're not super far off from each other. So maybe if someone went to this Christian anarchy view because they didn't like theonomy, I could after some time get them to come from Christian anarchy to the theonomic view, you know, just let it be a little bit of a transition, like someone who grows up dyspy and goes historic pre on their path to becoming post-mill. But anyways, let's go ahead and close. That was this week's episode of Theonomy. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life grace and peace friends more than silver op precious pure gold your love is sweet and it satisfies my soul it revives me and says